Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, May 28th. Today we are reading from the big book. We are on page 20 and we're starting with the second full paragraph. It is the purpose of this book. Today's readers are Kim, Esther, Marsha, and Paula. The reference number for Monday, May 27th, is 4532. Again, that's 4532. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marietta to read the 12 steps, please. Marietta, can you press star one to unmute, please? Good morning. This is Marietta and the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and our life had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him of our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed, came willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and, <clears throat> prayer and meditation to improve our content our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry the message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. This is Marietta. And I pass. Thank you, Marietta. I will now ask Ann S. to read the traditions, please. Uh, hi, good morning. This is Ann, compulsive reader from Pennsylvania, the 12 traditions. 
One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group will never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Anne. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. We, once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 20. We're on the second or in the second full paragraph, and I will ask Kim to begin reading, please. Thanks, Christy. It is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. We shall tell you what we have done. Before going into a detailed discussion, it may be well to summarize some points as we see them. How many times people have said to us, I can take it or leave it alone. Why can't he? Why don't you drink like a gentleman or quit? That fellow can't handle his liquor. Why don't you try beer and wine? Lay off the hard stuff. His willpower must be weak. He could stop if he wanted to. She's such a sweet girl, I should think he'd stop for her sake. The doctor told him if he ever drank again, it would kill him. But there he is, lit up all again. You know, um, good morning, my fellows. This is Kim, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And, you know, when I read these, I get so sad because this is, this is the torture of not being able to stop. 
This is the frothy emotional appeal that those who do not have our problem say to us because they care about us. They, they see that we're killing ourselves with the food. They see that we're having the medical consequences and the, the emotional consequences and the mental consequences of this disease. And they want us to stop, but we cannot do it. They can beg us. They can tell us that our health is bad. They can tell us that, that you know, just, just have diet food. Just cut it in half and push yourself away from the table. Just have a bite and then leave it alone. And this reminds me of the jaywalker story and more about alcoholism. Because when the people look at the jaywalker, they're like, this is crazy. Why would he do that? Why would he keep jumping in front of that train? Why would he keep jumping in front of the, the traffic? Because he can't stop just the way when I look at this. I couldn't stop. You know, I can't take it or leave it alone. Why can't he? That is the moderate eater saying, I can go on vacation and, and, and indulge a little bit and then stop when I come back vacation. The doctor told him if he ever drank again, it would kill him. The barrier lit up all over again. Mom, the doctor told you you have diabetes and you're going to lose a leg. Why are you eating again? You know, she's such a sweet girl. I think he'd stop for his sake. Kim, you're in your 20s. I know you want to be married. But if you keep binging and those beasts like this, you're never going to get a guy. This stuff is what tortured me because I made sense. Logically, it made sense. Lay off the hard stuff. The fellow can't handle it. It made logical sense. But I have the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. And I was beyond human aid. And I was incapable, incapable of implementing these suggestions that normal people were giving me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Who else would like to share on these two paragraphs? This is Paula. May I share? Sure, Paula. Go ahead. Thank you. You know, we look at that word summarize. And the summarize, it says very clearly why. Why do we do that? Intended to facilitate. And then we go to facilitate. We say, well, what does that mean? And that means to make easy to lessen the labor of each question that you answer. It brings you closer. And there it is. Look at the questions we have there. Look at all the questions that put, put, put before us. Why can't he? Why couldn't I? Why don't you just drink like a lady? Eat like a lady. Or quit. There's another question. Each question I had no answer. I had no answer. Why don't you try beer and wine? Yeah, yeah, do that. Try the sugar-free foods. That'll do it for you. His willpower must be weak. And yeah, that I agreed. That I agreed. That's a statement. He could stop if he wanted to. Oh, Lord, know that I wanted to. It wasn't the wanting. And I believed it. You know, as Bill wrote in, in um, page five, I woke up. This has to be stopped. You ever wake up like that? I saw I could not take as much as one drink. There you go. All right. I'm getting it now. I was through forever before then. I'd written lots of sweet promises, but my wife happily observed that this time I meant business. And so I did. And so I did. 
is the way to disease. And this is seeing it. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Who else would like to share on these paragraphs? Christina. Uh, I'm sorry, was that Tina? Christina. Oh, Christina. Thank you, Christina. Go ahead. Yes, thank you very much. My name is Christina. I'm a food addict and a compulsive overeater. And with the grace of God, I can stay abstinent for today. Thank you for being here and for doing service. Um, Yes, and thank you (laughs) for reading this paragraph because it's my story. Um, and it's very important to me to hear it again and again and to uh, to be reminded on it because um, a part of this disease, of my disease, is to forget things. Um, I don't have a memory for, uh, I can tell it, the worst case of my relapses. Um, it's very important, it, it's very dangerous when I uh, get a longer time of abstinence than I forget how horrible it felt. Uh, yes, to stood in relapse, and um, yes, I think it's um, uh, yes. And and when I'm struggling with my thinking and thought, oh, um, or in another way, um, I had four years of abstinence um, from 2006 until 2011, and um, at the last uh, month, I forget that I have this disease um, because it works very good with eating and uh, I had a doctor and some some friends uh, they told me oh it's crazy you don't have this disease because you can eat like a normal person and um, yes I believed this and I forgot something about um, <laughs> the bad days and so I got back in relapses. It begins with very small steps, and it's so crazy. It's so crazy. And um, today I know um, it's very important to me to hear it again and to be connected with other compulsive um, eaters. They had the same experiences, and I can hear it again and uh, can share it again so to be reminded on it on a daily basis and to tell doctors they don't have understanding for it it's it doesn't matter what they are thinking i know what what is good for me and what helps and uh, it's the program this is um, this are this these are the steps and uh, your fellows that you can help me to be reminded and uh, to do my footwork on a daily basis with this wonderful program. Thank you very much. Thank you, Christina. Who else would like to share on this paragraph, these two paragraphs? Rose. Esty. Okay, Rose and then Esty. Go ahead, Rose. Thank you so much, Christy. This is Rose, uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And... um, I, there's there's two things here that really, really, really speak to me. Um, it says, it is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically, uh, referring to the question in the former paragraph, what do I have to do? Um, and it's going to be answering those questions specifically. Uh, we shall tell you what we have done. But then uh, going on to some of these examples, that they're summarizing some points here, There are two for me that um, really uh, 
strike me uh, personally because the one is his willpower must be weak. And the other one following that is he could stop if he wanted to. Those those two um, examples there are what I believed about myself, that I had come to believe, being a um, uh, a failure in OA, that I that my willpower must be weak, that I had a flaw in me for sure, and that if I really wanted to, I could have stopped, but I obviously must not have wanted to. And that uh, belief came from a person who did not have the, um, the, uh, the information in the AA Big Book to understand what the disease was about. And the thing that's most important in, in my own case is that it wasn't until I met a recovered compulsive overeater who had been brought through the steps as they're outlined in the AA Big Book. It wasn't until I met her that I I was able to come to believe myself, first of all, get the hope that I could get a recovery. But then I was giving, given the knowledge out of this book and those beliefs about myself that I... I, my willpower must be weak, and that I could stop if I wanted to. I was I was educated that I couldn't stop. Once I put the substance in, then I was compelled to uh, have it mentally uh, chase after me till I would pick up again, going round and round and round. And I, and obviously I never did find a solution until I was brought through the steps the way they are in, in the book, and and the um. Uh, uh, what do you want to call it, the inspiration, the inspiration of how these words are put down in this book to just spell out for any person, any addict who's reading this book to get it, to understand how he or she can identify in with this. It's it's so high, there's almost nothing I, I know what to say about it. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Christy. Thank you, Rose. Esty, go ahead. Hi, it's Esty. Can I share? Yes, Esty, go ahead. Oh, hi. Good morning, everyone. It's Esty, compulsive reader. Very grateful for this meeting. And the reading today really um, brings me home, and in a way, it gives me comfort because it shows me I know it. But here is just another another way of proving it that this is where I belong. And I I feel like I don't just identify this as me, like again and again and again and again. And whether it's a lack of self-control or, um, you know, whatever other people could say, like, um, why don't you just leave it alone or all those other things. It's, it's, it's you know, just hearing everyone sharing this morning that um, it's something beyond our control. It's something that like keeping keep going back, keep going back again and again and again, the same cycle, being abstinent, putting the food down, being strong, but the mental obsession is still there, and then every now and then again and again, picking up again it just it just brings home the importance of doing the steps of doing what I need to be doing um you know in the spiritual realm, not just putting down the food, not just doing the tools, but doing. You know, li- living the real way of living, of having a God-conscious life and not doing my own will. And 
and yeah, all I have is today. And if I start thinking about what's going to be and next week and next month, then I get filled with despair of <laughs> what's going to be. And, you know, I keep picking up again and again, so when will my next picking up be? But for today, for today I can live the way God wants me to live and have a program. So I'm grateful for this meeting. Thanks again. I'll pass. Thank you, Esty. I'm Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, the people who are asking these questions, you know, why don't you um, drink like a gentleman or quit, or why can't you handle your liquor, why don't you try beer, you know, Christy, why don't you just eat? Christy, star one to unmute. Hello. Christy, press star one, please. Hello. Hi, Christy. Hi. Can you hear me okay? Um, I can. Did you hear anything I said? You had just begun. Can you start again, please? Yes, of course. Um, so, you know, for me, what you know, when I um, what what people are asking in this paragraph, you know, why can't you stop? Why can't you drink like a gentleman? Why can't you, Christy, just eat less and exercise more? What people asking those questions? don't understand is mental obsession. You know, it says in the paragraph before we started reading that we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. So it's not enough that I have um, a physical allergy, uh, certainly, which to me is an abnormal reaction to food. I also have a mental obsession. You know, and it reminds me of, of what I've heard on this line a number of times of a friend of mine who has an allergy to cashews. She cannot eat cashews. So we had gotten together for a potluck and I brought food and she said, you know, does anything have cashews in it? And, you know, I said, are you allergic to cashews? And she said, I am. I cannot eat cashews. You know, I have a, a pen, an EpiPen, an epinephrine pen that... If she happens to eat anything with cashews, you know, she has to actually, you know, open up the lid to the pen and stick herself in the thigh so that she can have an intramuscular dose of epinephrine so that her throat doesn't close up and she dies. And um, she carries that pen around, not in case she decides to go crazy with a jar of cashews. It's not like she'll, you know, go somewhere and see cashews and she won't, you know, she'll just have to keep herself away from them. And, um, you know, all of a sudden she just can't stand it anymore and she'll run over and start eating them. No, on the contrary, she stays away from cashews, no matter what. You know, with everything she's about to eat, she wants to know whether or not it has cashews in it. She does not suffer from the mental obsession that I do. You know, when she found out she had an allergy to cashews and that her throat closes up and that she'll die, she will stop breathing, her throat will close up and she will die, she 
does whatever she has to do to never eat cashews, even if it means she asks every single time she's about to eat something that she doesn't know what's in it if it has cashews in it. That's what makes her different than me. That's what makes her allergy to food different than my allergy to food. I have an abnormal reaction to foods. To you know, For me, those foods happen to be sugar, fat, flour, and volume. You know, I can eat massive quantities of, of pretty much anything. Um, you know, that would be, if that were my only problem, that would be a problem solved. I just don't do that anymore. You know, I, I have some sort of portion control and I don't ever eat foods that have sugar, fat, and flour in them. Unfortunately, I also suffer from a mental obsession so that asking these questions of someone like me are meaningless. They are meaningless. They will not help me. You know, Christy, just stop eating compulsively. Just stop. Just stop. Just eat less and exercise more. And you'll, you know, you'll trim down from that 340 pounds that you weigh. And that, you know, those words meant nothing to me. I asked myself those same questions. Why can't I stop? And I picked up over and over and over again until I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Uh, you know, I suffered those consequences. I mean, it was as though my throat closed up and I couldn't breathe. I could not stand being in that place for one more minute. I couldn't stand it. And that's what I had to get to. That's the point that I had to get to. No one could give that to me. No one could give that to me. I had to say, I want to stop. I can't stand it anymore. Not not that I think I should stop. You know, you would have thought that I said I should really stop, you know, when my weight was out of control and I was completely insane. But it took what it took to get me to that point, and I was even willing. I was even willing and ready. Maybe ready is a better word. I was ready. I had a desire to have someone get between me and the food. That's what it took for me. I was, I was, I had that desire to stop eating compulsively, which is the only requirement for membership in this fellowship. I had a desire to stop eating compulsively, and I didn't care if someone was going to get between me and the food. That's what it took for me. I don't know what it will take for you, but that's what it took for me, and I'm so grateful. I'm so, so grateful I finally got there. And with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who would like to share on these two paragraphs? Monica. Philomena, Leah. Uh, let's see, Monica, Philomena, and then Leah. Monica, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And so here we are in the chapter, there is a solution. And a couple of paragraphs up, they told us we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. And if you are an alcoholic who wants to get over, you might be asking, what do I have to do? Lots of questions here. What do I have to do? So then in the next paragraph we read, the purpose of this book is to answer these questions specifically, precisely. You know, we shall tell you what we have done. You know, Bill's really smart here. He's, we've been reading this book, and he's got us to, we've come to the point where, yeah, okay, I, I looks like I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and you're telling me you're recovered, that you are recovered. And I can see it. I can hear it. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I want this. I want this. So what do I have to do? So now they're saying, okay, we're going to tell you what you need to do precisely. 
what you need to do. But just a minute. Let me ask you some more questions here. Let's summarize some more points here. Get us, you know, reel us in a little bit more. Can we identify? Have you heard these questions? Have you had these comments made to you? A little more identification. Yeah, I've been, I've heard all of this. Well, Monica, just push yourself away from the table. Well, just have a couple bites and, you know, get the pleasure of it and, then, you know, leave it alone. You know, we've all heard these things, but I think it's interesting that they're, you know, they're bringing us out so we can think about this and, and relate to this and identify with this. Yeah, yeah, you know, I have heard of all this. Why can't I stop? Why can't I stay stopped when I stop? And they're going to tell us more because this is the chapter of this is a solution. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Philomena, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Uh, this is Philomena, um, Recover Compulsive Reader. And uh, the part where it says here, the doctor told him that if he ever drank again, it would kill him. And I had that experience, and my, uh, my, doc, my endocrinologist of 20 years, he had had it with me. And he, and he was such a sweet, kind doctor that when he did this, it just shocked me. But thank God he did this because I'm alive today because of it. And he told me that I was like a Titanic ready to hit an iceberg and that I wouldn't see my grandchildren graduate. And um, so I, what I, I took his, you know, I was scared to death. So I went to the only thing that I could do was go to a weight loss program for the fifth time. And, um, and, and by the grace of God, which I didn't even realize it was the grace of God, I did release or lose, I should say. I did lose 100 pounds. And, uh, oh, my goodness, then I thought, well, I have the willpower now, and I can do this on my own. I don't have to keep going. And I, I thought that, and I did that, and right back, I was right back uh, in the grips of this disease, which I didn't even know it was a disease then, but God did. He, uh, so I uh, ended up going, uh, ended up um, gaining half of the weight back and also picking up four other addictions at that time, which I didn't even realize I was an addict. And then by the grace of God, God led me to um, OA. And so I had such a profound and spiritual enlightenment when I went to that meeting. I related to Bill in the hospital, uh, and that's how it was for me. And, uh, and, and, by, and God sent me to that strong recovery meeting. And what were they talking about? The doctor's opinion, the disease. And uh, being in the medical, uh, being in the uh, hospital, uh, I worked in a hospital for 20 years, I never heard this. So my ears were opened up to it. And I had such a profound enlightenment there that I came home and, and just did what they told me to do. And I was struck absence instantly. The physical part came to me as a gift to save my life. And then when I get on to, uh, after uh, two years of uh, trying to find out, there has to be more to this. It can't be just the physical part. Something has to change in my mind. And uh, then I get on to uh, big book studies and found vision, uh, led to vision for you. And uh, I wanted the sponsor, I remember, and I said I needed a sponsor. And, and someone said, I have your number, I'll call you. And I, I couldn't imagine, but God did. God knew who that person was, and it was the per exact person that told me about the, my first meeting. It was a face-to-face -face person, told me about the disease. She was, um, uh, you know, reading, telling about the uh, newcomers. And uh, that person ends up to be my sponsor and brings me through the big book. So it, it's definitely been a spiritual um, uh, awakening for me, and I am just grateful because uh, I beat, you know, the disease is gone, and I, I um, did not 
go blind, and uh, I'm a, I have a perfect blood level today. And it's only because God leaded me through the through this journey, and I, I give Him all the glory, and I pass. Thank you, Philomena. Leah, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. A lot's been said already on this. You know, it is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. We shall tell you what we have done. Thank you, God. You know, thank you, God, that someone uh, has been released from this merciless obsession and has taken the time. Thousands of hours went into penning these pages. Those men and women who recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And, uh, you know, they have recovered, and they're going to give us specific directions at the way out of this hell that we've been living. So that's why we study these pages every morning. These pages haven't been changed. The same directions that led this initial uh, hundred men and women out of the gates of hell are the same directions that, that have worked for over seven decades and have not been changed, have not been changed. It goes on, of course, to talk about the cunning, baffling, and powerful nature of this illness. Of course it is cunning, baffling, and powerful to you and I, but it's absolutely baffling to other people who observe us. How many times people have said to us, I can take it or leave it alone, why can't he? I mean, people were breathing down my neck, you know, when I was a kid. When I was a kid, uh, you know, Stop, Leah. You know, this is not good for you, Leah. Um, my parents pleaded with me. The doctors uh, expressed their concerns about, you know, a young young girl, young woman uh, with moderate obesity and the high cholesterol and the inability to be mobile without being out of breath. I mean, why don't you uh, try beer and wine, lay off the hard stuff? His willpower must be weak. He could stop if he wanted to. Um you know, I don't know about your disease. I can surely tell you about mine. Uh, I've stopped thousands of times, thousands of times, thousands of times, all different remedies, all different methods. The question is, how do you stay stopped? How do you stay stopped? I mean, this whole paragraph is about stop, stop, Leia, stop what you're doing. Enough is enough. Push yourself away from the table. I mean, just stop is not a newsflash for people like me. You know, my parents told me that. My spouse told me that. My employer told me that. My doctor told me that. That's not a newsflash. Don't eat is not a newsflash for someone like me. I had to compulsively overeat. I had to compulsively overeat because I didn't have a choice. I had to compulsively overeat because when the pain of living got so bad, I didn't know anything else that ever worked for someone like me than compulsive overeating. And I pursued that, and I knew it didn't work. And I knew it caused me more trouble. And I knew my medical consequences were getting worse. And I knew my life was a mess. But I could not stop because that idea overcame all other ideas to the contrary. And it didn't make any difference how badly I wanted to stop compulsively overeating. It didn't really make any difference how hard I used my willpower because from time to time, and it might have been every, you know, 
every other hour or every day, that obsession of the mind was going to tell me it was okay to pick up that first bite. And believing that that time it was going to be different, that I'll take that bite and I will not have the consequences, I would take that bite and that bite would take me. And that's why, you know, my life was controlled by these desires. I was constantly bowing to the demands of this disease, and the illness made decisions for me. And it was absolutely cunning, baffling, and powerful to me and certainly to the people that observe us. And certainly to the people that observe us. And that's why this program of recovery teaches us how to have a new mind, a spirit-guided mind. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. We are going to move on. Um, Esther, would you please read the next two paragraphs, please? Esther, starting with, now these are commonplace. Okay, good morning. My name is Esther. I'm a compulsive overeater in Canada. Now, these are commonplace observations on drinkers, which we hear all the time. Back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding. We see that these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. Moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. They can take it or leave it alone. Should I continue on one more? Or? Um, I, why don't you just stop there? Okay. Thing. Thank you. Okay, my name is Esther Compulsive Reader in Canada. So the questions that we just read in the previous paragraph, they make sense for people who are moderate drinkers, people not like us, people who are moderate drinkers. There's nothing, there's nothing um, strange or... Um, uh, you know, crazy about these questions, but they they don't refer to people like us. They're referring to people who are different than we are. And what are, who are those people? So the first example that they give is the moderate drinker. So I, I have friends like that. They're the friends who put on a little weight as they got a little older and got a little more sedentary. They go to the doctor. The doctor tells them, you got to lose weight, your blood pressure's a little high, you know, follow these instructions, and they go home and they do it, and then it's over. And some of them maybe even had to give up certain foods because they were uh, really harmful to their health. And, and so they did, and, and that was the end. But that doesn't, that's not the type of person that I am. I, I went to the doctor many times, and they said, I have a simple solution for all your, you know, all your medical problems and all your weight problems. You know, uh, don't eat this, eat like this, and you'll be fine. But that wasn't me. So none of the, um, um, none of the suggestions, none of the pleading that uh, we were just reading about worked for people like me. They work for moderate drinkers. And, and that's why this paragraph says, back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding. Because the people who said it to me were ignorant about what the true nature of compulsive eating is. And they, and they misunderstood. The, the, they just didn't know about the concept of allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. All those diet programs out there, they work for people like moderate you know, moderate eaters or just, you know, overweight people, they don't work for people like me because they don't um, address at all the whole idea of the allergy of the body. After all, they told me I could have my little treats once a week if I wanted to as long as I, you know, counted them in my my calorie uh, count up. And they don't understand the obsession of the mind because they would always, you know, teach me that I would, you know, be off of certain foods for a while and be able to get back on them. So um, this is what we're um, doing here is, um, po- pointing out how we differ from the average um, overweight person or, you know, snacker or, or how we're different than they are. And it's important that f- for me to to, to uh, think about these paragraphs and identify, as we're going to see now with the real alcoholic, because in a couple of pages they're going to tell me the solution. 
And, you know, my first reaction when hearing the solution is, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I want to do that, but, of course, if I've spent a few pages um, describing the true nature of my disease and how hopeless I am and how all those other solutions are going to work, then maybe, maybe when they tell me the solution, I'll be desperate enough to embrace it and to do what I'm told. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Esther. Who would like to share on these two paragraphs? My name is Leah. Can I share? Sure, Leah and then Nancy. Go ahead, Leah. My name is Leah, and I'm a compulsive overreader. And I want to uh, comment on the paragraph previous where they say, um, uh, you just have to, why don't you do this, and why don't you stop, and why don't you practice self-control? And I, I can identify with that so much because I used to think to myself, how can people be so hypocritical? On one sentence, people would tell me, Leah, you're smarter than that. Leah, you have a better, you have such a pretty face. It's such a pity for what you're doing to yourself. And on the other hand, you've got to taste this. I made this all by myself. And you have no idea what you're missing. And I used to think, how can people be so hypocritical? But then again, I, when I came into these rooms, I said to myself, oh, my goodness, OA people and the big book, they are talking the truth. They are talking my language. They're not hypocritical at all. But I would never admit all these things. I wouldn't say, hey, I would come home and I would be so embarrassed in front of people to eat and I would just gobble up everything at night. But wow, this is so powerful. Again, I'm coming back to OA because maybe, just maybe, they have something that that that, that is really talking to me and that is really going to work. And... Um, it is. It is the mind. It is. It, it's. It's not wanting to to face your life the way it is, but it's. It's. It's like. It's like amazing because all of a sudden things are seen in a different perspective in my eyes, and wow, it is so powerful. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Leah. Nancy, go ahead. Thank you, everybody. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, a vision for you. Um, my name is Nancy, and I am a recovered compulsive reader in Lewiston, Idaho. Very grateful to start my day with um, this meeting and getting into the pages of the big book where it has taught me how to live um, free from the obsession of compulsive overeating. Thank you, God, um, for doing for me what I could not ever do for myself. And I tried and tried and tried, and I told myself all those things in the previous passage as well as other people telling me. I like that it started out this next paragraph with um, these are commonplace observations and I don't have the book in front of me so I can't quote it exactly but um, it started out that way and behind them is a world of ignorance and well that's what I wanted to focus on you know I used to get so mad when people would um, well even if they didn't say it I could you know of course I was judging their actions and their body language towards me this is what they're thinking of course I thought everybody was thinking about me all the time because I was so self-absorbed that I um, you know but what was what it really was is that I was thinking that of myself um, but I 
you know, I wanted to blame them. They don't understand. If they had my life, they'd eat too. Da 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 da. I had all, and my anger, of course, was misplaced. My anger was at myself for not being able to stop and not being able to stay stopped. Like we've heard, I stopped thousands of times. I just couldn't stay stopped. It would usually last until I got hungry again. And I'm not kidding. In the later days of my disease, hunger was, you know, every resolve I ever had was out the window when I got hungry. Um, and, but, you know, it was good that Bill pointed out and the first 100 pointed out to me that this is commonplace observation. And, you know, I'm going to liken it to another compulsion that I don't have that I know um, lots of people do just because I work um, in the legal profession um, and I'm in the courtroom almost every day. But, you know, there, there is a real thing called sex addiction and I don't understand it. And I don't, you know, I just think, why don't you, I'll say to myself, you know, especially if it involves children, why don't you go find somebody, there's tons of people out there that will give it away for free, why don't you go find them? It just makes no sense to me. And it is that kind of thinking that makes me understand how other people feel about my eating. If they don't struggle with the obsession of the mind that tells them all of these lies and all of these things, but this time it's going to be different and, you know, da-da-da-da-da, and if you just eat sugar-free this, that it will be okay. And, you know, that is the same lies, I'm sure, that those people have in their head telling them that it's okay. Somehow they justify it and make it okay. And I'm sure they hate themselves as much as I hated myself. I think the worst thing that somebody ever said to me, or at least one that sticks in my mind the most, is a comment my sister made to me. And I was at my top weight, 372 pounds on a 5'8 body. And let me tell you, that was about 210 pounds heavier than what I was supposed to be. My sister said to me, I lay awake in bed at night and grieve your death. And today I think to myself, I don't really laugh because it wasn't funny and I still don't think it was funny, but I wonder, I wonder if she really believed that was going to be helpful to me. You know, what it did, of course, it it just added more guilt onto um, the remorse and shame and helplessness and despair and depression that I was already feeling um, as I continued to eat because, of course, it didn't help me stop eating. Um, and but I can understand that it had to do with ignorance. She doesn't get it. She doesn't understand my illness, and that's okay. She doesn't have to. I am the one that understands it. These observations are commonplace among people who do not struggle with compulsive reading. They don't have to understand it. It's necessary for me to understand it. And as I think it was Christy that just, I can't remember, or maybe Leah, Leah said, I believe, that, you know, thank you, God, that they took the time to write a book to tell me how to do it because I'm the one. I am the one that has to read the book, and I'm the one that has to understand the words in the book. And I'm grateful that they made it clear cut, and they told me precisely what I have to do. And they were very specific in their um, directions because, you know, the level and the desperation that I reached, I need that kind of clarity. I need that kind of clarity. And thank you for helping me understand others that it's commonplace for them to think that way and that it's not, you know, I have no reason to hold resentment or anything against them. Um, I can't expect them to understand something that they don't experience. So thank you so much for this meeting, and I will wish you all a good day. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy. Would anyone else like to share on these two paragraphs? This is Paula. Uh, let's see. I heard a number of people. So, Paula, Sharon, may I share? 
Um, sure. Why don't yep, Sharon? Why don't you go ahead, and then Paula, and then I heard Leah, and we'll catch the other people if we've got time. So go ahead, Sharon. Thank you, Christy. This is Sharon in Denver, Colorado, compulsive overeater, and I am just amazed at how uh, the last couple of days, the way these paragraphs have unfolded. Um, the one that says, um, "I have this hopeless condition of mind and body. What do I have to do?" And then the book says to answer such questions specifically is our purpose. And then summarizing these points and what just keeps going off in my mind over and over again is this question that I wrote on over and over again. Uh, the deception of others is usually always rooted in the deception of ourselves. And so um, I was always trying to believe a lie that, yeah, I, I, I can eat like other people. I just have to, um, you know, I just have to learn how to control it better. I just have to learn how to just eat one or just eat this or, or stop after this. And so I'm just seeing so clearly today because I have been one of those who could not stay stopped. And I just see that it was my inability with that obsession of the mind that told me lies, and I believed the lies um, that I wanted to. I wanted to be like those people that didn't have this illness, and um, so I am just so grateful today to begin to see this through different eyes, and um, and that the obsession of the mind um, is um, something that I have struggled with all my life in every area of my life. So. I am just so grateful to see this and to realize that um, until I could, um, and it has been, you know, just since I started listening to this meeting, the Vision for You meeting line, that I am seeing so clearly that I did not, could not um, accept this uh obsession of the body and the physical aspect of the mind. I was just uh, believing in the, you know, trying to diet so then I could eat like other people, trying to get the weight off so then I could eat like other people did. And uh, I'm just so grateful that this book speaks, speaks so clearly and so directly as to what our problem is and then to be in this chapter that says there is a solution. So I'm so grateful to be here today. I'm so grateful for all of you who share your, your recovered experience with all of us, just like it is in the big book. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Paula, go ahead. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, moderate is to re restrain from excess, and that's the first word. That's where they begin. I began there, too, but then it ended. That's the moderate drinker, to restrain from excess. I didn't know what excess was. Have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. There was no reason involved. I had no reason, and I had all reason. They can take it or leave it alone. No, I take it, and it will not leave me alone. It will not. I have no more to share, and thank you for allowing me this time. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Leah, go ahead. Thank you so much. 
Now, these are commonplace observations on drinkers, which we hear all the time. Um, you know, when someone is allergic to, uh, you know, <laughs> to perhaps dairy or fish, I often talk about, uh, they may get a rash, they may get hives. If you're allergic to pollen, uh, your eyes may tear up, you might start to sneeze. Um, that is an, an adverse abnormal reaction, which is obvious to those that view uh, a person experiencing that. Um, you know, the, the allergy of the body, the phenomenon of craving is something that I experience that cannot be witnessed um, on the outside. I mean, you might not, you might uh, seem unable to push away from the table, but the actual experience of the ab of the abnormal reaction, that phenomenon of craving is something that you and I experience, um, and it can't be seen like some other allergies. Uh, now, these are commonplace observations on drinkers, which we hear all the time. Uh, they are speaking about, you know, people are asking us to stop. What they're not witnessing is this allergy of the body, which sets us apart. This makes us a very distinct entity when you have this allergic reaction which creates an intensity for more of the same. It says back of them is a world of ignorance, meaning they, they just lack knowledge. There is obviously ignorance out there and misunderstanding regarding the disease of compulsive overeating. We see that these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. Again, we compulsive overeaters are bodily and mentally different from other people. You know, this is not just uh, anybody is a compulsive overeater. This is a twofold disease. Do I have an allergy of the body? Meaning, are there certain substances that when I ingest them, trigger a phenomenon of craving? For me, I say, check. And once I have separated from those foods, do I have a mind that forces out all thoughts to the contrary, and do I feel compelled to pick up that first bite despite the pain and suffering that I have experienced eating those substances? And the answer is yes, check. So it says moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely. If they have good reason for it, they can take it or leave it alone. I mean, this describes a social drinker. A social drinker is not an alcoholic who can control her drinking. She has a qualitatively different experience with alcohol. To her, alcohol is truly something to be taken or left alone. For the, for the social drinker, they can go out, they can enjoy alcohol, they enjoy the taste, perhaps they enjoy some of the, the uh, effects that alcohol may have, but they can stop. You know, they can go back to work, they can enjoy their families, they can be responsible once again. Alcohol is truly something to be taken or left alone. You know, it would be as if, um, you know, an alcoholic had to uh, control and hide and sneak and protect their supply of uh, oranges. That's absurd to an alcoholic. You know, a social drinker doesn't have any of those issues. They, they don't have an issue of needing to control and needing to hide and needing to sneak and needing to protect their supply of alcohol. They don't have an allergy of the body, and they don't have an obsession of the mind. Very, very different from other people. You know, I compulsively overate to change the way I felt and to make the world less threatening. That is the disease of compulsive overeating. 
That is the disease of compulsive overeating, twofold in nature. Number one, an allergy of the body, meaning when we ingest certain substances, it triggers a phenomenon of craving. That makes us a very distinct, specific entity. And number two, the greater aspect of the disease is this obsession of the mind that compels us, forces us to pick up that first bite. We have no mental defense against that. Very, very different from other people. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Marsha, will you please read a vision for you? Good morning. It's Marsha. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.